Hello and welcome to the Simplified Organization Show, where real moms chat about real life and how to manage our responsibilities without stress. We want to reject perfectionism and see the step-by-step faithful progress as a fruit of diligence in our lives, which we know comes as we repent, rejoice, repeat. I'm your host, Misty Winkler, a second-generation homeschooling mom of five. I write and podcast at simplyconvivial.com about homemaking, homeschooling, and doing life cheerfully. I'm also author of the new book, How to Use a Planner Without Wasting Time. And today we have part two of my conversation with Karen Head, a mentor level member inside Simply Convivial Continuing Education. Her input during our member meetups every month are always so encouraging and insightful that I knew I wanted to bring her on as a guest here. So I'm excited to bring you the second part of our conversation today. Karen is a farm wife and a homeschooling mom of two teenagers in rural northern Missouri. She and her husband have been married for 20 years, and she's been homeschooling for 13 years. They raise Kiko goats, Akbosh livestock guardian dogs, and row crops. There are two things she can never get enough of, books and plants. From the time she was little, she knew that she wanted to be a teacher, but she hated that when she got to college, she had to pick a major because she wanted to study it all. God granted her that privilege when he called her to homeschooling. She now has a special interest in teaching reading and spelling to dyslexics through structured word inquiry. In her free time, you will find her working in one of her many large flower beds in her chair, reading a book, or at her computer, researching her latest topic of interest, because there is always something that needs to be weeded or learned. Let's jump back into that conversation with Karen Head. And so I think, you know, to leave that with hope for, you know, somebody that's going through it. The other thing I would say too is, Uh, I know you'd asked at one point about how do you tell whether it's just everyday blues or if it's really full on depression. And I think my litmus test for that is if, you know, one of the big things is some people, and I had lots of people tell me this, oh, if you would just count your blessings, you wouldn't be so depressed. And that's the person that doesn't understand depression. (laughs) Because if you can count your blessings and feel better, it's probably just the everyday blues. You know, because we all have ups and downs. But what happened for me and what when I've talked, been open and with talking with others that have depression or have counseled those with depression, if counting your blessings makes you feel worse, it probably is true depression. Hmm. And it probably needs to be taken very seriously that there's something else going on because that was what was so hard for me. And I could count my blessings. I could tell you all of the wonderful things that were happening in my life, but yet I felt horrible and I had no joy and I couldn't reconcile how all of these things could be going so right. And I feel so terrible. And to me, that's kind of the, the line of whether or not it's really a serious depression issue, or if it's just 
yeah, I've had a few bad days mm-hmm. because yeah, it's, yeah, I would recommend not, if you think somebody's truly depressed, don't tell them to count their blessings. <laughs> I mean, it seems counterintuitive, but you know, you can point things out, but most likely they know what's happening. That's good. And they can't understand why they feel so bad. Yeah. So the, what are some of the practices that have helped over the years as you, cause it's a process, right. To pull mm-hmm. out yes. of that and overcome yes. it. It's not a, like, Oh, I learned something. And the next yeah. day it's all better. No, no, because you have those deep root, deep ruts that you have to, you know, and you may learn that you need to be driving up here, but it doesn't take much of a little curve and then you're back in the very deep again. And so again, that was one of the things that my pastor taught me was, you know, you're, we're having to re make new tracks. And so don't get frustrated whenever you get back, pulled back into some of it, even though, you know, better, mm-hmm. you're still going to get pulled back into it at times until you get a new path worn in your brain. And so that was helpful to begin with. He also had another analogy that helped me to recognize this. He talked about the, the, you have a dirty hand, your hand is all caked with mud. Okay. And you know, you want it clean, you know, it's dirty and you have before you a pretty stream, clear stream. And that's like our, you know, this is our sin life. And then we've got the, the word of God in front of us. Well, we have to stick our hand into the stream in order to get clean. But what happens as soon as we stick the hand in? it gets way worse. The stream all of a sudden is no longer clean. Your hand actually looks worse than what it did beforehand. And so our initial, our reaction is to pull it back out. This isn't working. You know, it didn't get better as soon as I stuck my hand in. And what you need is to keep your hand in there. You have to stay in the word and in time it will cleanse as it flows over you. But it is not a quick process, especially if it's caked on really hard is going to take a long time. Well, that's what these patterns in our lives, the, our thought patterns are, is they're very caked on, muddy, hard things that takes a lot to get washed off. And so one of the things I did, I spent a, early on, I spent a lot of time in the Psalms, one, because it encouraged, and two, it said, you know what, these are the feelings I'm having. And it is okay mm-hmm. that I don't understand what you're doing, Lord. It is okay for me to cry out to you, Lord. And that, you know, you are near me in this and you have a plan in this and you are not going to leave me alone and constantly reminding of that. Another thing that I did, you know, as far as getting the thought life, because I had, I did have a lot of ruminating thoughts that just kept going. And as much as I knew I needed to stop them, I couldn't hardly do it. And so I, I started memorizing Philippians 4, 8, you know, think on the things that are true, lovely, pure, good, and any good report, any virtue, think on these things. Well, the problem was I couldn't even get to the point of thinking on something else. I couldn't even get that verse out of my, all the way through. I would think on good things. And then here come this other thought of yeah. something negative. Okay. Think on things that are pure. Here comes this other thought. And so I just had to get into, no, that's going to stop. And I couldn't get to the point of thinking on good things. All I could do was regurgitate that verse, but that was, you know, I began ruminating on that single verse of these are the good things I'm supposed to think on. Maybe someday I will get to the point that I can actually think about something that is lovely and pure and good. Mm-hmm. Right now, all I can do is say this verse over and over to try to stop and cut off. And it, you know, it's amazing how quickly our thoughts can go someplace else. Mm -hmm. especially if you've been allowing yourself to do that. 
And so those were some things that really helped me tie back in. And then another one of the exercises out of the depression program that helped me was to evaluate what I have control over and what I don't have control over. I'm a perfectionist. I was a control freak. I thought I should be, because I was that responsible nature, I should be able to figure everything out. I should be able to plan it perfectly. And I should be able to control the outcome of everything. And starting to realign my expectations and really honestly take a look at what I had control over and what I didn't have control and being more flexible in my thinking of, okay, if this doesn't go this way, can I still be happy? You know, and that, and that comes back to some of a faith. Can I, am I trusting God? And it, it comes back, you have to repent, you know, like you say, you repent and we keep redoing it and we keep repeating it. But, you know, I had to get to that point where, okay, Lord, these thoughts aren't right. Help me to have good thoughts. And sometimes that's all I got done was Lord, help me to stop these thoughts. Help me to get to good thoughts until I did. And yeah, it's, you just have to have a little, give yourself a lot more grace, give yourself the grace that you would extend to somebody else because I did not extend that. So I, I had no room for grace for myself. I could be accepting of other people's failures, but not my own failures. And I had a very much all or nothing thinking. And so I would, the pendulum would swing of, okay, I got to get everything done or I would get nothing done. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would convince myself either one or the other was okay And I couldn't get that little bitty. And so whenever I started saying, okay, I got this done and I'm going to be happy that this was, this was progress. It wasn't everything. And it also shows that I did something and that was very helpful to me as well. Or maybe that working for a timer or doing the before and after pictures or things like that. Yes, very much so. And just seeing that, okay, setting here, laying here in bed is not good. And so sometimes it was, okay, I'm going to go lay in the chair today instead of in bed. That was where I was at at some point. That was still more than what I had done the day before. And really another, one of the things that helped me kind of cope in the really depressed stage was reading fiction. Mm-hmm. I had one of my friends from church and they had the, they were distributors of the Lamplighter series of books, the Lamplighter Bushes. And she was just like, here, Karen, why don't you take this one and see? Cause I was having trouble reading the scripture it was, it was just too much for me to comprehend and to actually take anything in at that time when I was really in the very low spots. And she said, here, this is a book. You might enjoy it. And so one of them was Stepping Heavenward. That was a huge one. There was so much in that book that taught me what I needed at the time that I couldn't hear anyplace else. And I also started escaping from the, it allowed me to escape from the ruminating thoughts because my mind and attention was on some other storyline. And that really helped too. And then I would sleep yeah. better when I had read the fiction and had some release that way. And so a lot of times then, because again, I have a very active dream life, regardless of if I'm depressed or not, but then my dreams would be about the story that was a good story, mm-hmm. not this negative, whatever I had been ruminating on previously. And so I think fiction can be a really good help because I was, I was kind of in that stage. Well, unless it's helping me in some way of learning something or moving forward, I, I don't have time for it. And I needed the fiction. I really did. Yeah. Well, and to experience story and like just stop 
that, oh, that our internal negative mm-hmm. story where we don't recognize that it is a story that we're spitting yes. in our head. Yeah. And, you know, and that's what I've come to realize, you know, I, and it, and it's, it's amazing. What I've learned from this has, well, my pastor was so kind to point out to me, I, I was in the midst of my depression. I was so I ruminated a lot on the fact that I couldn't do anything physically. I was not doing the things that I wanted to. I was not keeping up with the house. I was not doing all of these other things that I've been able to do. My, I couldn't think like I had to. And I'm, I kept going, you know, I'm not near like I was when I back when, you know, like when I was in college or whatever. And he looked at me and he said, but were you really honoring God at that point in your life? Mm. Wow. And he goes, cause you keep telling me that that was a good time in your life. He goes, but what I hear you say was that you were all about yourself at that point and that you really didn't necessarily honor God with everything that you did. And he goes, I think you are far more valuable to the Lord now, not doing all of the things that you did than you ever were back when you thought you were okay. Mm. And that hit hard (laughs) to say the least, but because I, he was saying it in love yeah, and he was right that it took having those things stripped away from me to actually find my identity in Christ and that I had value outside of the things I could think, say, or do. Mm -hmm. And I still fall into that getting, you know, I was a people pleaser. I was more concerned about what people thought than what was going on at home, all sorts of things like that. And I wanted to do, I wanted to do the things that brought, you know, the praise from man. And I wasn't concerned about what God saw or what, how I was honoring the Lord or whether what I was doing was actually in align with scripture or not. And during the time of my depression, that was my sole focus was trying to understand what God wanted for my life and how to understand how I had, how I could be seen as any, have any value at all. If all I could do was sit in a chair and I, you know, it, it was really humbling and, you know, it was what I needed. And another one of the verses that came to me in the time when I was depressed was, and I, I value it greatly. And I is in Psalm 119, it talks about before I was afflicted, I went astray. Mm. And I didn't realize at the time how I thought, you know, I thought I had a good Christian life mm-hmm. before I got depressed. And I thought I knew the Lord, but not anything like what I learned in that time. And it was good that I was afflicted in that. And so for people that are depressed to actually see that, you know, God is using this and he isn't leaving you alone in this, but we resisted our, our, our pride wants us to resist that this, how can you say that that's a good thing? I mean, that's what we, you know, the voice inside our heads. And we, and we often get that, unfortunately, in some places in the pulpit that if you're depressed, then you must be sinning or you must be doing all of these wrong things. I don't think that's the case. You know, can it, can sin cause depression? Yeah. I think that, you know, that can cause the wrong thought life, but sometimes it's more and more than not, it's God's tool to bring him near to you and to teach you. And there is still hope that it's not the end of the story. Yeah. But you, and you do have to, I mean, and there was, like I said earlier, there is that point that I came to the acceptance that if I, I can still praise God and God is still good, even if this never changes. 
And I didn't know if it would or not. And I, I am not so naive to say that I won't ever be depressed again, just because I've learned these things doesn't mean that that's a security net for me. God may need to teach me another lesson at some point. And I have to be okay with that because there was a lot of highs and lows where I thought I'd gotten past it. Cause I, I had a lot of other physical health issues. I had, I definitely had some hormonal issues that were going on at the time. And I worked on those and I thought, Oh, this is going to be the fix. Then everything's going to be better. And it wasn't because I hadn't learned my lesson. <laughs> and then there were times I'm like, Lord, I got to figure it out. I've learned your lesson. Let's get on with this. <laughs> but he loved me too much not to allow me to, to just fix it right then and there. And one of the, there was a poem that Nancy Lee DeMoss shared on one of her Revive Our Hearts podcasts early on, and it was called the weight poem, but it was basically saying, okay, Lord, you could, you know, move the mountains. You could make this all go away, but if you do this, then I wouldn't know the depths of your heart and the depth of your love for me. And I held on to that. And so sometimes it's, you know, even when you get your thought life and you learn something like the national, the depression treatment program, it may not fix it immediately. And so you have to have those truths to hold on to and to repeat those truths to yourself that he doesn't leave you or forsake you. He is working all things to good for those that love you. And in time, he is trying to show you his ways. And don't be surprised at the trials, the hard things that come. Suffering is part of the Christian walk. It is part of the sanctification. And, you know, and I'm so thankful that I had a pastor that was teaching about sanctification at the time that I went through this, because we, you know, since moved from where we were at up there, and I have been in a lot of churches where if I'd had depression at that in those churches, it would have been a different story for me. Mm-hmm. And that's makes me sad, but that's what's out there. You know, I've, I've set in a message and somebody said, you know, absolutely. The only reason we have all these antidepressants is because we have such a sin issue in this world. And if people would just address their sin issues, there would be no need for antidepressants and no need for depression. I challenged that. <laughs> and so I hope that people will get the help that they need and to know that there are ways that God can use it. There is a new resource that a friend just shared with me, David Murray. He's a Scottish man, actually. <laughs> I was surprised when I listened to his first one. I was like, oh, not an American. <laughs> but he has written a book called Do Christians Get Depressed Too? And I've only read the first chapter and I listened to one of his deals, but he's, you know, what he was sharing is very much like what I've had with my story is there is hope in this and there is a reason that God afflicts Christians with depression, if you allow yourself to be humbled by it and allow God to do the work, it can be a beautiful thing. Thank you so much, Karen, for coming on and sharing your testimony. Cause that, I mean, it's, it's helpful, but it's helpful because it's a testimony of God's work through hard things. Well, and I, you know, I've never been, I mean, yes, there was times I was ashamed, but God, that was one of the things that God told me was that this is the only way we're ever going to help people is to actually voice that this is an issue. And if you can stand up through this, I'll get you through it. (laughs) And he has, you know, and there's been times that I shared and I didn't know I was doing anything. And unbeknownst to me, there was somebody in the room that was hurting. Mm -hmm. And, and the more I've shared, the more I found there are people hurting who have been afraid to say anything. And I don't think we need to be afraid to say, we should not be as Christians afraid to speak up in our congregations and say, I'm hurting and I need prayer and I need help. 
mm-hmm. and then being willing to come alongside and help. And the help is not telling them why they're, they shouldn't be depressed or telling them why everything is okay in their life. And, or, and even just the whole thing, well, God is good. So you shouldn't be upset. No, just be patient and understanding and mourn with those who mourn because that's, it's a mourning process in a lot of ways. That's helpful from both sides too. I just, we feel alone a lot of times, no matter whatever it is that we're going through, but that is a, a temptation and an attack to keep us from getting help through the body and from those around us that God has put there and that God puts in our path. So, well, and the devil wants us to think that we're all alone and that our situation is so unique that no, and we, and depression is very unique, but it's like a finger or a thumbprint. Yes. Everyone is different, but there are patterns that you can recognize and that because of that, then there are ways that you can come alongside and help, but he tries to isolate us and to stay isolated is the worst thing to do. But the other side of it is, is you don't also, I mean, I didn't want people coming over and chatting with me, but it was the dropping a meal, the taking care of something. Oh, just saying, you know what? I know she, she has this going on. What if I just did this for her? Don't ask because I couldn't tell you what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you what I needed help. Just see and do. And at church, it was the people that would come up with the tears in their eyes because they could see I was hurting. They knew that they didn't have anything to say because they didn't really know what I was going through, but they hurt alongside me because they knew what it was like to hurt. And they didn't require me to talk to them. It was the hug and I'm praying for you went as much as somebody sitting along trying to say, well, you know, you got this really good in your life and you know, this was a really great thing today. Those weren't the helpful things. It was the, just the quiet coming alongside. Well, thank you so much for that, Karen. I'm sure that's helpful for those who might be struggling with depression right now, but also those who might wonder if someone else is or wondering how they can help. Mm -hmm. It's a lot there for both sides. So thank you so much. I look forward to our next member (laughs) zoom (laughs) because we get to chat with a group of women. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the simplified organization show. I hope you are as blessed as I have been by hearing how Karen has come through her struggles and tells her story for the glory of God. We all can do that no matter what story God gives us. The way that we tell it to ourselves in our own heads and also to others does matter. It can be true or it can be false and we need to be telling ourselves and others a true story. I'd like to give you access to the first module of the Organize Your Attitude course inside Simply Convivial Continuing Education. It's called Living in Story, and it's all about noticing the story that we're telling about our lives and then aligning that to the story that we know God is telling. It is possible, and it is good, because God is working sanctification in us through all the circumstances of our lives. So visit simplyconvivial.com story 
to get that for free. And if you missed the first part of my conversation with Karen, then don't miss it. Go back and find it and listen from the beginning as she tells her story of repenting and rejoicing on repeat. Thank you.